Consolidation is inevitable, though, in the industry. I mean, we've had just this period of unbelievable innovation over the past five, you know, 10 years in fintech. A huge amount of money has gone into what are point solutions that have, you know, you know gotten to scale, but, but, you know, point solutions don't exist in the long term, right? You know, they, they do tend to get gobbled up and put into multi-point solutions. And, you know, I think that's kind of what we're going to see here in this next wave um, of evolution in the fintech industry. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. For publicly traded fintechs at scale, WEX is an interesting one. Combining a fuel card business with corporate payments and a healthcare offering, the firm has found a way to grow consistently over a couple decades. Strategically, the firm is now looking at synergies in its business. It recently launched Flume, a B2B digital wallet, and it's looking strongly at M&A opportunities as valuations come down with fintechs. Jay Dearborn, WEX's Chief Strategy Officer, joins me on the podcast today to talk about the state of the market, namely, where there are opportunities for new products and acquisitions. Jay talks about the dynamics around revaluing fintechs. He doesn't believe that it will ever really be a buyer's market, but he does see the need for companies to get profitable, or at the least, be able to persuasively thread a story about what the path to profitability looks like. Jay Dearborn is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach. My name is Jay Dearborn. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of WEX. So Chief Strategy Officer is in charge of the strategy of the company, uh, M&A, and communications here at WEX. Awesome. I'm really happy to be talking to you again, Jay. This is like a, a conversation that's been six months in the making, I think. Like yeah. we first started talking in, in Vegas at Money 2020. And, and as I was looking back at our notes, a lot of the things that we were talking about um, are still apropos right now. So um, one of the things you and I spoke about initially was how fintechs were performing and how they can weather this uh, economic uncertainty. The uncertainty has only gotten worse. Maybe it's gotten more certain that it's bad, um, but it <laughs> definitely has gotten worse. Yeah. So, so, so what are your thoughts about that now as you think about that, Jay? Yeah, I think back in October of last year, we were talking about um, deterioration in the macro environment and how, you know, particularly privately funded fintechs, but even those that had gone public, like how are they going to get to profitability or or how are they going to bridge to their next round? And and now that we're six months on, well, we were right, it got worse and probably is still heading in the wrong direction. And, you know, there's just more stress in the marketplace around fintechs. And do you think that... Um... Obviously, as a new end, it's getting harder and harder for someone to enter the market. Mm. Um, funding's drying up. Do, 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 do you see uh, consolidation, I guess, in, in the wings? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of things to, to maybe grab onto there, Zach. Uh, funding is drying up, but there's record, record amounts of dry powder that is still existing out there. You know, At right. some point, private equity is-, is The elusive dry powder. I love that. Story. Yeah, right. It yeah. sits there, right? Yeah, it just sits there uh, waiting. Different it's, it's waiting yeah. on the sides. And look, you know, I doing strategy at Wax, I think about it the same way. We've got a lot of dry powder too, and and I'm waiting, you know, there on the sides. Consolidation is inevitable, though, in the industry. I mean, we've had just this period of unbelievable innovation over the past five, you know, 10 years in fintech. A huge amount of money has gone into what are point solutions that have you know, you know, gotten to scale, but but you know. Point solutions don't exist in the long term, right? You know, they they do tend to get gobbled up and put into multi-point solutions. And, you know, I think that's kind of what we're going to see here in this next wave um, of evolution in the fintech industry. Wait, so that's an interesting question. So, I mean, I assume Wex's story started as a point solution and you've added them over time. So, 
maybe we can talk about that a little more because I, I think some of the early successful fintechs did start, as you said, as point solutions. Um, is there not enough meat on the bone for them to make a profitable business longer term? Yeah. So maybe I tell the story of Wex real quick, Zach, okay. to kind of bring it to life. Because I think I think it's a it's a good example of an evolutional cycle in, in fintech. You know, we started this business as a fuel card business back in the 80s. And from that, that original basis, we expanded into corporate payments. We're now one of the largest virtual card providers in the world. Um, wholly owning our own tech stack, as well as having a captive bank and e-money licenses around the world. But then also we have 30 million American lives on our consumer-driven healthcare platform as well. Um, and you know, for us, what ties it all together is how do we help businesses simplify their business? And so, you know, we don't help them in what it is that they're actually doing, but we're in the background helping them with all the administration. And for us, you know, as we thought about that single point solution in Fleet Card, geez, it gave us great payments expertise and, and it allowed us to get into our customers' heads and understand what their administrative needs are. And then we've just expanded our wallet over time to help them on those back office tasks. So, so the, the le there's leverage, I guess, in the, in the back office is what you're saying, even if you're adding new, new lines of business on the front end, because is there any, is there any um, synergy between the business lines? There is, um, and increasingly so. We, we used to keep them in silos um, because there was just so much TAM to go after. But at this point, we've, we've kind of woken up here around the time of COVID and said, my goodness, we have 800,000 customers. And minimal amounts. That's a of lot of customers. That's a yeah. lot of customers. And these in, aren't consumers, in, obviously. These are businesses. These yeah. are businesses, right? Right. So we do we do B two B fintech, and um, you know we're still working on our cross sell motion, but the the CHRO who buys our um, our health and benefits offering, you know they also have a corporate AP need, and hmm. you know Zach's plumbing and heating. Uh, who may have, um, you know, a couple of, of different fuel cards from us also needs corporate payments offerings to, to help, help Zach receive his money and then pay it out. Is that a new muscle for Wex, like thinking about cross-selling in that way? It is. And I think it, it is, you know, for a lot of companies at this moment in time, I think at this moment of time, when we have deceleration in the macro environment, the there isn't as much low-hanging fruit. And so we start to think through what is truly unique about the mousetraps that we've all created and how do we how do we really monetize that? And so I think I think you see cross-sell motions being focused on by by a number of publicly traded companies that have multiple business lines. And given that new focus, I guess that that should impact or may inform uh, future MA activity for you guys. It it would. Um, you know. It's interesting. So even in a decelerating uh, macro environment, we still focus on 10 to 15% revenue growth. And this is something that we've delivered on for <laughs> decades at this point, and we plan to for the decades ahead. We then, um, you know, we're thinking about how do we generate that through a cycle when there are less opportunities to go out and get new sales. And so part of what you have to do is figure out your back book. So your, your, your customers, those 800,000 customers that we have, how do we provide them more services, more value that allows us to continue to drive revenue? And then for us, because you know we're, I mean, it's not just you know revenue that we care about. We, we're a very profitable business. We care about driving earnings per share for our shareholders. It's about how do you get leverage out of that model to then drop it through to the to the um, EPS.
Got it. And and just getting back to this question about um, sort of funding environment. I mean, a lot of these, mm. a lot of these upstarts have, have raised money at, at very significant valuations. And so like, what do you expect to happen there? Obviously, you know, we're seeing the stripes of this world take major haircuts on, on, on current rounds, whether they need the capital or not. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, those are some, some really big markdowns, aren't they? It's a big uh, haircut. They had a lot of a hair. Big, yeah. They had a lot of hair. <laughs> they had a lot of hair. I mean, look, I mean, the valuations, I, I, there, there are periods of peak and trough. And I mean, it was quite clear that we got quite hot in fintech, um, you know, particularly as we went into the beginning of 22. Um, those have definitely reset. And I think, you know, it's forced those that invest. And, and again, I count ourselves as one of them, right, with the way that we we purchase companies in, in our M&A program. It's forced all of us to, to rethink about what is the quality of the product first and foremost? How does it serve the customer? But then the quality of the revenue that comes in, does it ever become profitable? At the end of the day, Zach, like there has to be a profitable business. Um, and, and we can all be patient and wait 10 years for something to scale to multiply multiple billions. But at the end of the movie, it all has to make a profit. And so- so you know, practical, we, Jay. Well, it, I mean, this is business 101, right? We, we kind of all get carried away or enamored with, um, with the grand idea. But let's keep in mind that at the end of the day, the grand idea has to make money. And so, so for us, you know, what, what, what's happening here during this period of time is we do expect valuations to continue to come down. You know, and um, and that presents us, you know, a great opportunity. I don't think it will ever be a buyer's market, frankly, Zach. Though, I mean, there's I was just, just going to so ask much, you that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so much dry powder out there, you know, in the in the PE space. I think we'll have more properly balanced risk, reward, and valuation for assets. Um, you know, for us as a strategic buyer, we care a lot about synergy value. So, tying back to your question about does it fit in with our with our ecosystem, like we care about things that fit in with our ecosystem so that we can naturally drive more value than someone else. But but I think this is important, right? It's, it's not gonna be a buyer's market. It will be more properly valued and, but there'll be opportunity in that for all of us. So given um, Wex's footprint and the assets you already have, um, it would sound like you guys would potentially be in the market both for vertical um, solutions, but also maybe horizontal that sit across. Is is that accurate? Yeah, we're. Um, it's a good thought, but not quite accurate. Okay. <laughs> so the so the on the horizontal side, that's actually the bread and butter of what we do. Those those that shared infrastructure around mm -hmm. the the treasury accounts. So think of like a T account that stores value, and then the payments. How do you move money? I mean, last year we moved. We're, we're, I think we're approaching $200 billion worth of payments that were moved with our, our technology and our, our software. Where we focus our M&A really is on, um, is on the front ends, new, new customer experiences that can leverage our treasury and our payments backbone. And, and you know, for me, I think about the long-term secular tailwind that is driving this intersection between payments and software. And that's where... That's where vertical we, SaaS, baby. Vertical SaaS, and and, and yeah. you know uh, our fleet, you know fleet business, like that's turning more and more into a mobility business. Which is how do you move your people and assets in the field? Like we talk about EV, EV really is it's going to be a mixed fleet world for the next decade. And so how do we put together our fuel card offering 
with different EV offerings. But then also, how do you manage those assets in the field? How do they, how do they uh, buy their disposables and how do you maintain them and how do you move them around? Like that's fleet. And then in corporate payments, it's about how do you pay and get paid? It's that easy, Zach. How do you pay and get paid? And then figuring out which customers you want to help do that. Because in B2B, as you well know, there, there's so many bespoke processes, depending on which segment of the economy that you're in. And for us, just given our pedigree, we obviously have this great uh, exposure to, um, to the trades. Uh, you know, and a real right to win with the trades. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, in the health business, if I look at the, we, we got into the health business in 2014. Yeah. And the company was producing like 70 million worth of revenue out of our health business at that point. And today it's a half billion. And we've done, you know, a half dozen M&A transactions along the way, adding on Cobra and Ben Admin and these different things that again surround the CHRO with what they need in order to you know administer their business. Got it. Um, before we move away from the topic of uh, I guess the funding environment, um, something you had said to me back in Vegas was um, you expected to see more companies being taken private, um, mm -hmm. particularly you know sort of this cohort of, of recently floated fintech companies that. For a variety of reasons, hit the market and it's just been it's been really really hard. Um, do you still see that happening? I I do, <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, we run the models ourselves. It's you know, bottom line. I think bottom line technologies right is probably the poster child that happened with Toma Bravo taking it uh, private. But but that thesis uh, I think is a good thesis, which is the public markets are not going to be patient for the transformation that needs to happen to get some of these fintechs to the combination of scalability and profitability. The private markets are far more patient and you can, you can exercise a pathway to profitability playbook that might take you three to seven years, but that's what the private markets are going to be, are going to be good at. Um, the public markets are not going to be tolerant of, of, um, not having that incremental quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter improvement. Right. And you see some of the moves that, you know, some of the recent IPOs, whether it's a Marketa on the B2B side or like even a Money Lion on the B2C side, like they use that public stock and, and almost right away to make some acquisitions that to me look very smart. Yeah. Um, but you're right. The markets don't necessarily have time or patience for that to kind of work through. Right. I mean, it's it's interesting. If you take a look at, you know, some of these fintechs that went public over the past, let's say, uh, three to four years and take, um, you know, essentially try to try to distill it down to what the true value of the entity is, X their balance sheet, X the cash and, you know, the receivables and the debt that they have there. You know, there's, we're getting to a period where at least the public markets are really intolerant of, yeah. of not profitable models or models that don't have a, a demonstrable pathway to profitability. And I, I think this is going to be key for any of the fintechs that went public over the past five years. What you're going to have to, the, the story you're going to have to tell investors if you're going to remain public is I have a vision for how this flywheel is going to work that allows me to both drive outsized revenue growth, which they historically have done, but do it at a marginal contribution that starts to create money. And so that we don't get, we don't have the cash burn anymore. 
I think it's a very insightful point because like it was patient. The markets were patient with Amazon for 20 years, right? Like as they, as they didn't deliver profits, but it was clear that Amazon could get there, I guess. And with fintech companies, to me, it's not a hundred percent sure or clear that there is a path to profitability. Um, I think that's a great insight, right? They told a story, right? Which was at any given point, we can stop the marketing and sales or the outsized investment in X, Y, and Z and be profitable. And I think that's, and they did that credibly. They said, look, look, I, you know, quarter after quarter, um, we, we can stop the merry-go-round here and still be radically profitable. But what we're trying to do is make this a segment of one. And I think that, that, that concept does hold true in either the horizontal FinTech companies or your vertical specialized companies. If you can tell the story, similar to like what Wax has done, we've just gotten to scale, you know, in the fleet business. Um, you can tell that story about, you know, we really are looking to get us to, a, to be one of the last ones at the dance floor, you know, in a particular segment or horizontal. So, so one of the things that strikes me, Jay, is like, I just came back from Vegas in the FinTech meetup conference. Yeah. It was last week. Um, you know, we speak to, to people that view Wax as a competitor. And, and one of the things is like, it's an easy thing to say, well, they're, you know, last generation's technology or something like that. How, yeah. how do you guys think about that? Obviously you have, you have a balance sheet and you have profits and you're yeah. doing well, right? But like, how do you think about, I guess, next generation WEX? So I've been here seven years. It's amazing to see the, the story unfold over the, the course of seven years. Um, what we've done over the past seven years is essentially lifted everything to the cloud. At this, at this point, by the end of 2023, 100% of our platforms are cloud-based. We've only developed new technology with AWS native tools like for the past couple of years. A great example of this is our open loop processor that is the engine of our virtual card embedded payment solution. This is what we serve you know, FinTech as well as the online travel agencies uh, around the world with. This stuff is as good as any fintech out there. And what's unique about us is we're, we're creating this distinctive product, but we also have this publicly traded, this captive bank, this pedigree of being um, uh, appropriately risk tolerant, but, but, but more on the conservative side. When you partner with Wex, I mean, it's it's, our positioning in the marketplace is we're not looking to grow this at 40% plus a year. It's a very logical growth, very safe growth. And like we, we, we position ourselves as trusted partners with an extremely high degree of recurring revenue that then, again, drops through for our investors. So can we talk about, you just used the word partners. That was, I think, more in, in, in the context of, of your clients. But how, how yeah. do you guys think about partnerships? Um, where not, not a client vendor relationship, but like partnerships, How, what, do they have a role in your strategy and go to market or distribution? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's kind of deep in the ethos of the company is this concept of we love our end markets and we're going to both serve the end market directly. And we're going to serve up our tools to be white labeled um, for partners. And, and that holds true across all three of our lines of business. You know, it, in our corporate payments business, we have the likes of, um, you know, American Express, Commerce Bank, PNC. Uh, we just not, uh, announced last year, First National Bank of Omaha. They're white labeling our software for AP automation, and we can provide them the software that helps them go out there and compete. Our health business was actually started by 
creating software for TPAs, FIs, uh, health plans to go off and give consumer-driven healthcare products to businesses. Mm. And at this point, we participate in all three of these markets, direct and through the partner channel, really strong rules of engagement um, in doing right by our partners because the markets are big enough that we can we can attack them in both, both manners. Jay, the last time we spoke, um, I think we had recently launched Flume, your, your B2B yeah. payments product for SMBs. Can yes. we talk about um, what that product is and I guess how, how it's been received in the market? Yeah. Um, I, I love this product because it really, it's at it's the intersection. Name. It's a really good name for a product. It's a fun name for yeah. sure. We did a bunch of, of uh, business testing and that was the one that resonated. Um, it's really at the, like the thesis for the, this um, project um, was at the nexus of our fleet business and our corporate payments business is a massive amount, hundreds of thousands of small businesses that we're serving just the, um, them on their fuel card interface. And, and our we have this great um, uh, infrastructure, this great horizontal capability in our corporate payments business. And so what, what the thought was is how do we help small businesses um, get paid, bring money in, and then pay out? And we took um, you know, a really clean sheet approach to this which was we created our, it's new for us. We created a digital wallet within our ecosystem um, where we're the custodian of the funds and the money moves in, FDIC insured. This is important in today's, today's All of time. All a sudden it's important, yeah. <laughs> but it was important before it got That's important, true. right? It's I mean, always important, yes. <laughs> um, but then, you know, helping them do the payout. And, and this very much is a mobile first solution. It's again, focused on the trades. And so what we're thinking about doing is, um, you know, Zach's plumbing and heating or Zach's real estate construction company that has a general manager and an office admin, like how do they run, how do they run their business, you know, with, um, with a mobile tool that can invoice, can take payments, can do payout through all sorts of means and increasingly so wrap that customer with a WEX set of offerings tailored for small business. What does that look like, Wex offerings tailored for small businesses? Yeah, if I if I think across our three different lines of business, what Zen would look like for me is Zach's Plumbing and Heating has uh, has one customer account with Wex mm -hmm. that allows Zach to receive money, to spend money, to have all of the controls and the rich rebate um, around the fueling experience, and to have all of their consumer driven healthcare. Mm. Um, made easy because Zach doesn't have time to figure out how to optimize any of these three. Our job should be to make it as easy as possible for Zach, a small business owner, to succeed doing what Zach does. Um, and we help on the admin in the background. That's a great vision for Zen. Um, and I guess we have time for one last question. I'm curious, Jay, sure. like what you're thinking about, like what are your priorities for the rest of the year, given sort of what's happening in the market? Has it changed since, you know, the beginning of the year? Um, it, it hasn't changed at all. Um, you know, we, uh, we have delevered this company, uh, to the point where we're now below our long-term leverage and we're very much focused on M and A, uh, and where are those right opportunities for us? We continue to be hyper-focused on that. Um, you know, we, we see a downturn really as an opportunity for us to pounce, um, you know, and, have a real step change in our own evolution. And so we 
we're just we're watching this as we go through it. Um, you know, we continue to grow the business, um, and so I think you know we're excited about you know navigating our way through what is sure to be a turbulent time. Jay, it's great talking to you again. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Zach. Take care.